Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome everybody to World Sports Roundabout, the only show out there that looks at sports around the world and in a roundabout way, roundabout way, I guess, oh jeez, in a roundabout way tells you what the sports are all about. My name is Brandon Bowens, thank you for joining me on this March 7th, 2022, on this, jeez, my weird pronunciation skills are just not doing it all that great this morning, ah, uh, I know we're starting late. Uh, I can easily explain that. This past week slash weekend have been essentially my finals week. Uh, technically, this week is also my finals week, but last week I was trying to do a bunch of assignments that uh, would ease up this finals week a little bit more. And I did that with a bunch of sugar and water. Um, sugar to keep me awake. And water, because I am predisposed to diabetes. And thus, water will flush out my system of all the sugar. But that also means, with all that water and sugar, uh, that means that I wake up with a little bit of a sore throat. I'm perfectly okay. That's just a symptom that happens whenever you have fluids in you, and you then you go straight to sleep. But that means that I was just kind of a little bit groggy. Uh, just wanted to make sure that I was 100%. And I am. So that's great. Uh, you also might notice that the audio is a little bit choppy. I'm, like, hearing it, the feedback in my, uh, headphones here. Uh, what it seems like is one of our microphones is on the fritz. And so we're using the next closest microphone, which happens to be microphone, microphone four. Uh, I'm hearing, like, a little bit of a choppiness in the background. I will try my best to make the best of the situation that we're having. I am... Uh, sorry for the unfortunate audio issues that we are dealing with today. But we got a lot of, I say if we have a lot of, but we have some countries to talk about, their sports culture and stuff like that. Also, I'm, I'm slightly considering changing the whole format of the show. Just simply because this, like, last week we had the Ukraine stuff. and We needed to talk about that at the beginning and the top of whatever hour we were doing. And this week... You know, more news about the uh, situation going on in Russia. We also have something that happened in Mexico that we can talk about. Um, so we're going to do that. I'm going to take a brief break just to uh, set myself up. And we'll return back with the show in just a moment. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. 
Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm a champion, real check's mechanism. I should kill him for rat. It's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're gonna go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. All right, we are back with some World Sports Roundabout. Let's go ahead and just start up with the news today. Uh, the whole Russia situation has gotten, I guess, worse. Maybe not as worse as I was imagining it being by this point in the time, but definitely worse. Uh, the borders around Ukraine have definitely been invaded and such like that. But in terms of strictly sports news, uh, I think in the last uh, edition of World Sports Roundabout, I stated that two teams in the KHL, the Continental Hockey League, had left. That is true. Uh, it's Djokovic and Riga. I don't remember. I know Riga has a longer name. I know Djokovic also has a long name, but those are two that I'm familiar with. Um, several players within the KHL, uh, at least foreign-wise, have decided to terminate their contracts and move back to their countries, just given the unrest in those countries. Uh, the IH, the IHF, or the International Ice Hockey Federation, have determined to remove Russia from the World Championships. They also removed them from several cups. The CHL has removed 16 to 17 year old Russian players from having any opportunity to enter the CHL in their CHL draft. Also, Canada has canceled their Canada Russia series, uh, which I believe was going to happen later on this year. I guess just a bunch of international friendlies between Canada and Russia. Also, in case you're a big NHL or EA NHL like 2022, uh, the NHL has removed, not the NHL, but the EA has removed all Russian teams from their content. Um, One of the biggest promoters of hockey, uh, CCM, has removed all Russian spokespeople from their company, or at least preventing them from making you know money with them, um, even though technically it's not their fault and stuff like that. So definitely a lot on the Russia front, and just just strictly in terms of sports. Now, uh, granted, there isn't a ton. Uh, the only other thing that I can talk think of, like off the top of my head, is that like technically, if you wanted to bet on KHL hockey games, you cannot at this point, although there technically wasn't a ton of, like, DraftKings at least didn't have a ton of ties towards any sort of Russian betting lines and stuff like that. But, something that's not, um, something that's not hockey in Russia or anything sports-related in Russia is the fact that we had a soccer riot. And let me just pull that up right now. Okay, so, 
in Quetaro, uh Saturday, there was a match. And I'm trying to, let's see, get the teams here. Atlas, uh, the defending champions of Liga MX, who we talked about on the show, um, was leading uh, Quetaro, the Quetaro team, which I, I, I can't tell you where that is, but I'm guessing it's Quetaro, somewhere in Mexico. But Atlas defending champions were leading 1-0. It was about the 60th minute of the match when all of a sudden, fans, the fighting started to break out in the stands. Now, if you know anything about soccer culture, uh, this kind of things can happen, but generally it's, it's, I've only ever heard of it three different ways. It's either one group is just really riley, one group is just really drunk, or it's a deep properly between both teams, and then they're just, the heat of the, uh, games just starts getting really bad. I don't know. It doesn't really state what the cause of said section were. But all of a sudden, Quitaro just started attacking anyone who's wearing an Atlas shirt. Uh, there are videos out there of some of the violence that was going on. If that interests you, go ahead and do it. I personally... I guess I would recommend you seeing it just because you need to know what a soccer riot is. Uh, but my goodness, it was just like a bunch of people, <laughs> just a bunch of people like cursing and like, I don't know a ton of Spanish. I know enough to like maybe basically get by. I could probably actually go to the bathroom. And I think that's really the one that you need to know. I know to say like, please and thank you. And uh, how to get to the bathroom. Those are the three lines of dialogue that I probably know really well. I do know one, like, swear sentence, and that's filled with a bunch of the videos. <laughs> the one swear that I absolutely know, and it's just, like, the sentence with it. Because, of course, I learned it from, you know, you sit down, and you learn it from other people, and you're like, oh, okay. And then they say it, and then it's just, like, a common, so it's a common swear sentence. But... I mean, you'll, you'll know what the sentence is, uh, in, at least in Spanish, when you listen to these videos. So, you know, again, it's tragic. Uh, as of right now, it seems like 26 are injured. There's a chance that a good number of them more could be dead. Some of them are in critical or serious condition. So hopefully those people come out okay, of course. No sport we should ever have anyone dead in them. Um, so many, many blessings towards those who are, in fact, injured today. And that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's like these stories that are coming out about the international like world in terms of sports and stuff like that, we, we really need more of that. I feel like that if I can find stories on uh, international uh, incidents in terms of sport around the world, I should talk about them. I mean, that's just that's just a thought. But anyways, let's move on to what is our core issue with the show, and that is introducing you guys to sports culture around the world. And we have two countries for sure, maybe two more island nations if we have time at the end. We'll see. Uh, we might not have enough time to, talk, to like properly talk about them. But we shall see. And the only way to see is by starting, and the only way to start is to start. So, let's begin. 
the Dominican Republic or the DR. Uh, DR is baseball fanatics. Uh, <laughs> look, I've, I've stated before that I go around to a lot of these Caribbean countries because at least my family has been blessed enough to be, have those opportunities to go and see uh, these countries. And, you know, I've seen their baseball culture a lot. Like, you, you, there's the nice stadiums, uh, and then there are the playground stadiums, and, you know, the Dominicans are really crazy about baseball. I remember when I was young, like, I want to say, I want to say it might have been like eight or so years ago, but, like, I walked into, you know, we were going on a tour, and, like, the guy was just, our guy was just talking about, like, hey, uh, to say we want to kind of go into this baseball shop, and I mean it wasn't like a baseball shop. Like they had a couple things. Uh, it was mostly like a team shop, which I mean team shops are fine, but like I didn't know any of the players there or anything like that. Um, but I went in, and it was just so amazing to see. Like, oh my gosh, like they're really fanatic about it. Like highlights were playing on it. Um, you know, you had jerseys, you had T-shirts, you had little toys, you had noisemakers and stuff like that. Like, they are really fanatic about baseball. Like, it's... Uh, I'm trying to think of, like... It's like college football, Derek. I think college football is the closest we get to, like, really fan enthusiasm towards a sport. That's what baseball is to the Dominican Republic. Now, the Dominican Republic has had a lot of international success, um... They won the World Baseball Classic Silver in 2006. Now, to anyone who doesn't know what the World Baseball Classic is, it's essentially... What's the best way to describe the World Classic? Um, it was... Geez, I don't know how the best way to describe a World Classic is. I'm trying to think. Because the best way to explain the world, what the World Class, Baseball World Classic is is essentially comparing it to soccer. Um, because it's not the club cup uh, of FIFA. I wouldn't say it's the World Cup of baseball, considering that there is a World Cup of baseball. The best way I could describe the the best way I could describe the thing of it. It's not even really like a championships league. It's like. The whole concept, as far as I understood it, was it was supposed to be a replacement for the Olympics. The Olympics was going to go in 08, and then it was going to disappear for two years. But then that's not really true. I would say it's the biggest baseball competition out there, minus the Olympics. Uh, that's what the Baseball World Classic was. I believe we actually are supposed to get, let's see, it was... 06, 010, 14, 18. So we get a baseball, we're supposed to, hopefully, we get a baseball world classic this year. And it generally happens right before spring break. I wonder. World baseball classic. Because it should be this year. There's a little league classic. Yeah, so it's basically like a, uh, 
It's essentially like the Olympic baseball tournament before the Olympic baseball tournament because it used to be uh, before it was supposed to be like a two-year event after every Olympics. And the most recent one was supposed to happen in 2021, but that was canceled, obviously. But I love the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I doubt I'll be able to watch it there just because my television provider doesn't offer uh, the MLB Network and other networks surrounding it. So, unfortunately, that's not great. But they did win the first silver medal uh, in 2006. I believe they lost to Japan that particular year. Uh, they also won Olympic gold in 1992, 1996, and 2004. Famous players. Oh, I'm sorry. I am sorry. <laughs> I meant... This is going to be funny. So, on my notes, I have... I generally write down the uh, the country that I'm talking about first in order. So, I wrote down the Dominican Republic, but I found that a lot of the history with the Dominican Republic uh, actually had to do with Cuba. So, I wrote down Cuba last, thinking that I was going to talk about Cuba afterwards, but I actually wrote down Dominican Republic first, and then that's what I thought. Uh, but Cuba is actually the one that I was talking about today. So how about we just restart the episode right now? Welcome back to World Sports Roundabout. Let's go ahead and get started in today's action. We're going to talk about Cuba. Uh, I will have the fortunate opportunity to go and see well, hopefully, fingers crossed, Cuba this summer uh, as part of uh, DePaul's Study Abroad program. Go If you guys are interested in going abroad and learning things about other countries and seeing the world and stuff like that, find, you know, figure out an opportunity to go. Talk with your parents and stuff like that or any of your guardians and stuff like that. Um, discuss it with the Study Abroad offices. You know, maybe determine like, scholarships and stuff like that to help you finance your study abroad. And then go. Um, I definitely, hopefully, will have a very fun time in Cuba and then maybe go somewhere else again before I am forced to graduate as a graduate student. <laughs> Stiffles. But uh, the few things that I do know about Cuba is that they definitely love baseball. Baseball is their bread and butter. Uh, it's been... It, it's literally what helped heal relations between... Cuba and the U.S. was this great game of baseball. And, you know, if baseball can heal the world, then that's a good thing, at least in my opinion. So Cuba is essentially the, was the first recipients of the World Baseball Classic silver. They lost to Japan in the finals. For those of you who are unaware, the World Baseball Classic is this international tournament held every four years. It's essentially the Olympics before the Olympics. Think of it maybe more like a gold cup in soccer. I think that's the best way to describe the whole situation there. But they were the first recipients of the baseball world, World Baseball Classic. And they won Olympic gold in 1992, 1996, and 2004. Famous Cuban players include Jose Abreu, Luis Titant, who was the first Cuban, uh, Mini Mimoso, who I believe held, holds the record for most. Actually, he's one, I think he's the first player to play in five different decades, and he would have played in six, but uh, then Commissioner Jay Vincent decided to prevent 
any chance of that happening, which <laughs> I guess that's technically fair because he did only play uh, two games. I think he played two games in 70. He, which decades? He was like, he played in the 50s. I think he played, I don't remember exactly what he did. I'm going to, I feel like he played in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, and then tried to play in the 80s and 90s. Just checking, just checking, just checking. Yeah, because he played in the Negro Leagues. And then... Yeah, so he played in the 70s and 80s. And then tried to do it in the 90s. Because his professional debut was um, in 49... And then, yeah, then he played in 76, and then, I'm trying to see where he played in the 80s. I'm like trying I'm just trying to find it uh yeah uh, okay I'm not gonna stop I'm gonna stop because I'm starting to take me too long but yeah the 90s he was supposed to have one at bat but then he couldn't uh he would have been the first professional to ever play in six uh six decades the first and only professional to play in six decades, uh, but the MLB prevented him from doing so. I think because he was probably employed by a team at that point, and it just would have been uh, really weird. Uh, Yasiel Puig, Orlando, and Levon Hernandez. Yosin is Sepet. <laughs> oh, these names are going to kill me. Yoenis Cespedes and Araldis Chapman, uh, 2016 World Champion. Overall, this Chapman, mind you, with the Chicago Cubs. The Cubans do have a baseball league. It is the Cuban National Series, or Series Nacional de Baseball, or SNB. It's the, you know, it's the primary domestic baseball league. There is a second league, which we will talk about, but this is the big one here. It was formed after the delusion of the Cuban League in wake of the Cuban Revolution. For those of you who don't know uh, the history of Cuba, um, this is the Cuban Revolution. It's essentially where Fidel Castro more or less observed the government of Cuba at the time. That's how Cuba became communist. That's how uh, Cuba had became closed off for U.S. for so many years. The Cuban Revolution is essentially the big reason why. Sixteen teams nowadays play 96 regular season games from early August to late January. Split into two halves, fall period from August to early October, and then there's a break, and then which I believe the break is technically, uh, you know, for the All Star game, or maybe it's just a regular break. I'm not 100% certain. But then there's a winter break from late October to early January of the following year, and then accumulates with a 16 postseason tournament. Um, I believe it's split. I don't. I don't think it is, but I would believe that it's kind of like. Uh, I'm trying to think how six 
team World Series would go. Because um, we do a five-team currently. Five-team in each division, which would be ten. So I'm trying to think of how, like, a six-team would work. Um, three teams would probably get a bye. And then... No. Four teams would essentially get a bye. Two teams would play in a wild card round. And then the winner would play the best team in the league. That's that's probably how it works. A six-team championship would work. Then there's the Super Series. Now, the Super Series, technically, the Cuban National Series uh, determines which teams will determine the national team. Because some te- sometimes multiple teams will determine who the who will choose the players for the Cuban national team. The Super Series is a tournament in where the best players of the Cuban national series will play, and that will determine who actually plays on the national team. Uh, it's played May through July for about 28 games. It's essentially a playoff, or it's followed between the playoff series of the top two teams, and then the teams are, again, selected from the best of the national series. And there are five regional teams that participate in the Super Series. So I think it's actually a really cool system, in a sense. Like, you play, like imagine the MLB playing its regular season, and then afterwards, in order to determine who's part of the national team, if, they, if the MLB was really cool about this, then they play a couple of games... Uh, in, I don't know, Texas. And they play games out there. And that determined who's actually on Team USA for something like the World Baseball Classic or something like that. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's a pretty cool way of uh, determining your national team and stuff like that. Cuba is more known for baseball, as we just explained. Uh, they do have a little bit of basketball success. The Cuban national team was has some history to it. It won a bronze medal against Italy in the 1972 Summer Olympics. And that's really about it. Uh, they do have a couple of FIBA America, you know, medals, mostly bronze. The, uh, the women's team is kind of a little bit more successful as they have won gold in the FIBA America Women's Championships, although, again, that hasn't been rather recent. The, sorry, going through my notes again. Cuba has uh, a soccer or football or association football program. Uh, it is uh, Campo Nado Nacional de Football de Cuba. Uh, it is the top division of the, foot, of the Cuban Football Federation created in 1912. Now, despite being a uh, league comp- or a league competition in um, Concacaf, since ni- uh, in 1990, none of the Cuban teams had actually played in a Caribbean Football Union Club Championships or a Concacaf Champions Cup. Now, I don't know if that was because of a U.S. embargo, or if it was simply because Cubans just decided not to participate. It's one of the two reasons. Uh, 
it was, but they did play in the CF Club Championships 2007, and they do play nowadays in those competitions. Now, I will admit, it was relatively hard to find a lot of information about uh, the, the league as a whole. What I was able to find was there were 16 teams, each team playing in 14 games amongst two halves, so 14 and 14. Uh, they have an opening and a closing tournament. Um, the winner of each half, which is generally they play 14 games and then the top four teams play in a tournament, and then the winner of that uh, – actually, no, sorry. They play 14 games, and then the winner in terms of total – plays in championship, and then the second half plays, they play 14 games, and the winner of that half plays a championship. And then those two teams play in a two-legged playoff for the championships. So essentially, home and away, um, and the winner is determined based on aggregate. Um, generally, aggregate, uh, if it's tied, goes to the team with the most away goals. So... Yeah, that's cool. That's all I could find about the uh, Cuban football league. There's not a ton of information. I could find champions for those leagues, um, but not much in terms of the league itself, and that's what we're primarily focused on on this show. The other one other big piece of news is that boxing is a major sport in Cuba was over 16,000 boxers of various levels across the nation as of 2015, which, just assuming, probably has grown since then. Uh, I could sit down and list the number of boxers that probably, or probably notable boxers, but I didn't recognize any boxers, and frankly, the list <laughs> of uh, championship Cuban boxers uh, is kind of difficult, just given the uh, Difficulties as Cubans have had to go about trying to get championships and stuff like that. So that might be a impossible uh, feat to do. But that concludes Cuba. There is more. They do participate in things such as um, cricket. Uh, they do have... Actually, cricket, I think that might be it. Cricket is the only thing. Like, cricket isn't a big popular sport, so I didn't bother to include that into the, uh, into the, like, the, the episode here that we're doing today. Um, Cuba does have a, or they did feature a national team in beach volleyball. That's something, uh, they have one of the strongest Greco-Roman wrestling teams in the world. They won a ton of like Pan-American wrestling championships, Pan-American games, Central American and Caribbean games. Uh, they're probably second to the actual like U.S. in terms of like achievements in the Greco-Roman wrestling world. But yeah, that's that's really about it. I think the biggest issue is just simply that. Uh, Because of the closure of 
you know, Cuba to the U.S., we just don't know a ton about it. And even what I could find doesn't feel like a lot. Uh, a lot of it is historical. Um, and it's just a little bit of... Uh, a lot of the earnings that, like, the Cuban players would earn would generally go to the government, which, given how the government culture was back then, makes sense. I don't know if it's changed really recently, because I know uh, the original dictator, uh, Fidel Castro, passed away, and now his son, I believe, is still in charge. I believe his son's in charge now. I don't think he passed away, but... Yeah, unfortunately, that's about it. All I could do for Cuba, which that's why I was kind of hesitant to like continue on because I feel like I probably could have done Cuba last week. I just didn't think about it. Just didn't think about it. All right, uh, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna talk about the Dominican Republic properly this time, and uh, after that, I don't know. Um, we might talk about. We might have an island nation or two to talk about, depending on the time, depending on the time. But uh, we'll be right back. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin. And deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask. Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And 1500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it, store it, Share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Welcome back to World Sports Roundabout. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, originally, again, I was going to talk about the Dominican Republic. I am going to make a audible here. We're going to talk about Barbados first. Why Barbados? I don't know. I uh, I looked at the quick notes, and I just felt like Barbados was just going to be a little bit quicker to talk about. Uh, Barbados 
is it's, it's, there's some variation with sports in uh in Barbados. Uh, they have a ton of sports. Uh, they participate in you know athletics such as track and field events, cricket, basketball, football, rugby union, scouting, guiding. Which I don't know exactly what that is, but it is in fact something. In fact, let me just like make sure. Uh, I guess. So essentially, scouting and guiding is essentially referring to like the boy and girl scouts. Uh, I don't really think that's considered a sport, but I mean, according to this, I mean, according to the site that I generally use, I mean, it's Wikipedia, but yeah, I also use top end sports. Uh, that's that's listed there. Um, kite surfing and windsurfing. Yeah, those are. Sports, I would say, at least windsurfing, I'm more familiar with. I don't know about kite surfing, stuff like that. But there are a bunch of different sports. Uh, they also have a lot of water sports as well. Um, but in terms of like the main sports culture, maybe the main sports news that you're maybe more aware of, or at least history-wise, um, Otto, Otto Dele Thompson, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, because I'm not going to go back to try to repeat that. Uh, won a bronze medal in the 100 in the 2000 Sunday Olympic Games. He's the only Bahan, and Bahan is how you pronounce the people of Barbados. But he is the only Baha, Bahan to win an Olympic medal. He's only he's the only Bahan to run sub 10 and sub 20 in the 100 and 200. Uh, several athletes have won events in the World Championships, the IAF World Indoor Championships. Uh, the Central Cuban Games, the Pan American Games. They do have a lot of success generally. Uh, it looks like a lot of hurdle events and a lot of short track events. So short track events would generally be the 100, 200, and some people would consider the 400 part of those events. I don't, but you get the drift. Uh, cricket has, uh, I say cricket has, but Barbados has a cricket association, the Barbados Cricket Association. They have a national team that participates in Regional four-day competitions at regional Super 50s. Again, I, I don't really, I don't know enough about cricket to tell you what the difference between those two are. Again, maybe as we go to Europe, we'll kind of learn what the difference between all those are. They have a franchise in the Caribbean Premier League, the Barbados Royals. It's, and in case you're wondering what the Caribbean Premier League is, it's an annual 2020 cricket tournament held in the Caribbean. Um, it replaced the Caribbean 2020 uh, as the premier 2020 Caribbean uh, tournament in the area. They have players that are part of the West Indians West Indies cricket team or the national team of the West Indies. Uh, they are basketball team has had a couple of unique international competitions. It's the only team that qualified from the Caribbean in the 2006 Commonwealth Games, and they finished fifth overall ahead of teams like South Africa, Scotland, and India. It's one of the few Caribbean teams that have ever qualified for the FIBA America's Championships. Let's see if we can find a little bit more. Uh, they've won a couple of Caribbean Championship games. Let's see if we can find any interesting players. Nope, I can't 
seem to find any. Just, just making sure one more time before we, uh, nope, unfortunately there aren't no any Barbadian or Bahans in the NBA, or at least any notable ones that I could find. Let's see, we got football. The Barbados Football Association is the governing body of it. Uh, their top level is the Digicel Premier League. There are 10 teams that participate in the league. Despite being a league competition in CONCACAF, much like Cuba. Oh, jeez, sorry about that. Uh, accidentally kicked the desk. Sorry, no need to panic, no earthquake. Everything is okay. But none of the Barbadian teams have played in the Korean Football Union Club Championships or the CONCACAF Championship Clubs. Their last appearance in either of those appearances was 2000. The ninth, their, uh, the ninth and 10th place teams are regulated to Barbados Division One, and all teams play their games in one stadium, uh, the Barbados National Stadium in Bridgetown. Trying to see if I can give you any more information in terms of teams. So it looks like 12 teams are split into six or 12 teams are split six teams each into two zones, zone one and zone two. Uh, looks like they play 22 games. And the champions of each zone move on to the championship finals. They play three legs. And they qualify for the Caribbean Club Shield, which, let's see. I'm not 100% certain on exactly what the Caribbean Shield is. I'm look. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it, but I'm not entirely certain. It's a second tier tournament. It looks like uh, introduced in 2018 for clubs from non-traditional leagues working towards first. Okay, so yeah, so it's essentially like a semi-pro competition for teams that wouldn't technically qualify for any of the higher, like Caribbean football union world clubs. Essentially. Leagues that are trying to become more professional, that's what they are there for to do. But then they have a third place match, which honestly, I guess is just there to have a match there. Um, so the second place teams will play in a third place match, and then the bottom four teams play in semifinal matches, and the three worst teams. get rev get uh relegated meanwhile the winner of the uh hold on that doesn't make sense okay uh yeah so the bottom the worst so the f worst four teams go to uh a regulation playoff then the losers the first round get relegated then the loser of the second match gets relegated. So three teams get relegated. And then um, 
the winner get to stick around and stuff like that. But that is the Barbados. Barbados football culture. Did you also do rugby union? Although there are fewer than 17,000 registered rugby union players and only five sanctioned international rugby board sanctioned teams. They are currently ranked 68th, at least as of 2011. They are 68th. I'm very curious to see what their ranking would be now. Let's see if we can find that. That's one of the few things that I absolutely do not like about this. Uh, the, uh, the World Rugby side is that their ranking system is not very relative, not very uh, readily available. You have to like scroll down and search. Let's see, Barbados, 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 Barbados. Okay, so there's 109 teams. Let's see. Barbados. There's, there's, there's uh, the Bahamas. There's. Barbados is 81st right now, according to. So they've went down from 68th. They also have a sevens team. Uh, the seven team that, uh, or sevens team. Uh, the big difference between the rugby league union and sevens is, I believe, sevens plays essentially like rugby union, but they play with seven men instead of the normal, I believe, 14 players on a uh, rugby field. That's what I think. I'm not 100% so I mean, <laughs> uh, but other sports includes archery. Badminton, bodybuilding, boxing, cycling, darts, equestrian, golf, hockey, hockey, okay, uh, field hockey, horse racing, polo, segway polo, water polo, auto racing, road tent. What is road tennis? Okay, uh, sailing, squash, tennis, and volleyball. And that's all you need to know about Barbados. Now let's move on to Dominican Republic. Whoo, okay. I'm really not a fan of like the little feedback that I'm getting in my like headphones too, so it's just kind of throwing off my thought for a little bit. But we'll fix, we'll get through this. Anyways, the Dominican Republic. Well, I already told you guys about the Dominican Republic. I, I know we restarted the show and stuff like that, but I already told you about what I understood about baseball in the Dominican Republic, and I'll pretty much tell you the same thing. Have to go along, so I'm not gonna go ahead. I'm just gonna go straight in there. Uh, famous baseball players in the minute in the in the Dominican Republic are Albert Pujols, Placido Polanco. I put him in there, he's probably not someone that you first think of when you think of the Dominican Republic, but I recognized his name first, so I put him in there. I'm sorry, Jose Reyes, Vladimir Guerrero, David Ortiz, Adrian Beltre. Bartolo Colon, Manny Machado, uh, if you're a Cubs fan, uh, Alfonso Soriano, Pedro Strope, those kind of players. Uh, all those players came from the uh, Dominican Republic. My personal favorite out of the bunch, uh, 
Alfonso Soriano just loves his stance, loves his swing, loves that, like, in games he would be this. I, I used to playing a, playing a sports games back then. I love the fact that he was a, uh, he was a guy who uh, could hit for power and could run in his games. Uh, mostly in sports like, like backyard baseball, like, he would be a guy that I would use to just, like, hit a bunch of home runs or, like, hit doubles and then just, like, steal with him. Like, those are my favorite memories of Alfonso Soriano. Also, he was part of, like, the 40-40 clubs. It was, like, really hard for people to get in the 40-40 club. And it's probably harder now because no one steals bases anymore. But I was really happy that he was part of the 40-40 club. Vlad Guerrero, I mean, enough said about him. Like, dude could hit just about anything for, like, get on base and stuff like that. I feel like his career is a bit underrated just because, like, he never... He didn't get to go to a lot of playoff series. Like, most of his best years were spent on Angel teams uh, who were really good but just could not get any sort of playoff success whatsoever, which is unfortunate. And Bartolo Colon, big sexy. I mean, dude played in the league for, like, over three decades was still throwing like 90 mile per hour fastballs even as a 40 year old even as like I think he was 44 when he last played and like he's still trying to get into the league I think he like I think he's not a starter anymore but I think he's a decent reliever you know kind of like Fernando Rodney uh, except like Fernando Rodney was always a reliever and for just some reason everyone wanted Fernando Rodney on their team maybe for that uh, veteran leadership and stuff like that but, I mean, Fernando Rodney could still touch 90 even at, like, even his early 40s. But he was only, like, he, Fernando was essentially just a fastball pitcher. I, I've never really understood, like, how he did you get jobs. Like, he didn't have a secondary pitch. He was he was no first fastball. And then, like, for some reason, like, every team just wanted him his fastball. Like, I, I don't even know if he threw another pitch. I mean, sure he did. I'm sure he had like something like a changeup and a curveball or something like that. But I mean, dude was known for his fastball. Dude stayed in the league for his fastball. But in case you're wondering, and I did make a misstep when talking about Cuba, uh, I said they played Japan in the 2013. World Baseball Classic Championship. They actually played the Dominican Republic, who won the 2013 World Baseball Classic. So, that was my bad. Uh, the DR has also won bronze in the 2020 Olympics. In case you're wondering who won the uh, Olympics in 2020, I believe it was Japan. Uh, 2020 baseball. I know the U.S. was U.S. was silver. I know that for sure. So U.S. like I mean, uh, softball. The U.S. was silver to Japan, and baseball, the U.S. was silver to Japan. I just want to like make sure. Yep. For both of them, uh, it was Japan and then the U.S. And so 
uh, gold and silver in the men's baseball. It was, in fact, the Dominican Republic who were silver in the 2020 Olympics. Now for some history. It is on my clock, 2 o'clock, but we started the show a little late, so we'll just run a little bit over today. Baseball was first brought to the Dominican Republic by Cubans fleeing the 10 years war. Uh, that war was fighting for Cuba's independence from Spain. It struggled to gain popularity, mostly confined for Cuban exiles, but it grew as more, it eventually grew and more natives took up the sport. The formation of a new baseball league allowed Dominican players to flourish away from the racism and pressures of the American game, which we'll touch on a little bit briefly as we go along. And uh, the popularity amongst the country increased the bond that spectators felt with their teams even today. Dominicans really feel tightly to the sport as a whole. Now, in terms of that weird... uh, racism and the pressures of the American game it's kind of hard to like it's really hard to really pin down exactly what that's supposed to mean but what I could find is that the U.S. had a lot of influence on the Dominican it occupied the Dominican Republic at one point in time and I think that might be why that might be what they're talking about Uh, I'm guessing more plantations and that kind of stuff. Baseball was kind of the, the way that slaves at the time could play the sports because baseball was played in, in the 1860s around the time of the uh, Ten Years' War fight for Cuban's independence. But that U.S. influence did hurt the game initially. Also, the racism part I attributed to in 1937, teams of the Dominican Republic signed a lot of players from the Negro Leagues, and the Negro Leagues, as you probably are well aware of, were baseball leagues set up because the MLB would not sign uh, players of African descent or even players who were colored um, from their time of inception until Jackie Robinson broke the barrier. But they signed a bunch of players from the Negro Leagues um, they were given huge salaries by Dominican men with, like, money and political power. Amongst those players' signs was James Thomas Cool, Papa Bell, um, and Satchel Page, two of the greatest Negro League players of all time. But these contracts exhausted team finances. Uh, then Dominican baseball kind of declined until the 1950s. This also nearly bankrupted the baseball league actually i believe it did i believe it had did have to cease operations at one point just because the financials were really hurt at that time but they do have a baseball league now it's the it's the dominican republic baseball league or liga de baseball profesional de la república dominicana or leadom i don't know where the i comes from in leadom But, okay, lead on. It is a winter baseball league consisting of six teams spread across the Dominican Republic. The league has tons of prospects that go on to play Major League Baseball, and they also sign MLB veterans. Then the winner of lead on 
plays in the yearly Caribbean series, which we will talk about in the next show. I promise you that. Each team plays a each team plays 50 games against each of the other four five teams in the league. The schedule goes from mid-October to the end of December. The top four teams then play another round-robin tournament with 18 games per team from the end of December to January. The top two teams then play in a best-of-nine series for the baseball title. Then the league champion goes on to the Caribbean series, and then we'll get into the Caribbean series next episode. Promise. Baseball is a cultural icon, despite a lot of the stadiums being placed in working-class neighborhoods where the poverty level is relatively high. Baseball stadiums are routinely maintained. The game has a free-spirited social cohesion and festivities from players and fans alike. It is that players in the Dominican Republic are like hailed as heroes and they function as role models to their fan base. And this idolization is covered well more than baseball in the United States, obviously. Obviously. Like, there are even documentaries where I think ESPN had a couple like that. And where, like, players from, like, a very poor region of the Dominican Republic were, like, I think one game away from actually making the Little League World Championships. And I'm sure you could find it out there. I would recommend looking at that, looking at some of that, because, like, the culture there, like, I could try to explain to you, but, like, you need to see it in actual, like, video format or picture format or stuff like that because, wow, they, they really do care about baseball over there. I, I'm envious of it. I wish baseball culture was like that here, but, unfortunately, it's not. So, oh, well. MLB teams do have, as stated kind of before, uh, a lot of prospects generally do come from the Dominican Republic and come here to play baseball. Uh, the MLB kind of has a working relationship with the Dominican leagues here. All 30 MLB franchises have established training academies in the Dominican Republic uh, to take a chance on young Dominican players and try to give them a chance in developing further in the United States. Now, the Dominican Republic, the one thing I will say, though, is the Dominican Republic is a growing economy in Central America. Uh, as stated before, 30% of the league is kind of stuck in poverty. Uh, so baseball is essentially a way for baseball to or essentially a way for people to get out of poverty uh, although some people have argued that in fact I'm trying to find the right words for it but essentially that poverty that this game that uh, how do okay let me uh, sorry let me start over the Dominican Republic is a fast-growing economy, but 30% of their population is stuck in poverty. Thus, baseball is their way to get out of poverty because the opportunities available to them to get out of poverty, such as making, you know, lots of money to hit, help their families get out of poverty. But that means that you have to succeed higher and further than other players in that league to even get those opportunities available to you. Thus, 
some people say that it drives this weird culture in where success at all costs comes first and then your education comes later. But thus, if you don't do well in terms of baseball, then you have difficulties with educate with you know, job placements because you more or less dropped out of high any sort of higher education. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, uh, we are kind of running a little bit over. I'm going to try to breeze through the rest of this because I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to split this. There's not enough information to split this off in another piece. Uh, but the Dominican Republic has had a somewhat successful national teams. Their most notable achievement is a bronze in the 2011 FIBA America Cup. Notable players that were have any sort of, some sort of Dominican Republic ties or were born into the Dominican Republic were Al Horford, uh, power forward, and a third overall pick for the Atlanta Hawks in 2007 NBA draft, and Carl Anthony Towns, uh, center, who was the first overall pick by the Minnesota Timberwolves in 2015 draft. The, uh, the, Dominican Republic, the, the DR does have a basketball league, uh, Liga Nacional de Barcelona Stowe, <laughs> or the LBN. Uh, it was established in 2005. Six teams compete annually between September and October. The six teams play in a round-robin tournament. The top four qualify for the playoffs. Boxing is an important sport. Uh, it's produced several world-class fighters and world championships, both in the professional and amateur field, although I'm not going to go over that list. The Dominican, or La Liga Dominicana de Football is the first professional football league in the Dominican Republic, founded in 2015. For sponsorship reasons, it's known as LDF Banco Popular. Twelve teams play a total of 20 total games, uh, split between two, uh, split between a opening and closing tournament. So you play 10 games, then you four top four teams play in a tournament, and the champion uh, does something. Uh, championship each tournament qualifies for the CONCACAF championships. Then you play another one, you play the next group of games, and then you move on. So that's how that works. I don't think I did it. Uh, I don't think I explained it well. I'm going to try it again. Uh, never mind, I'm not going to bother explaining because we don't have time. Uh, volleyball was introduced to the DR by the U.S. Marines. Notable achievements was gold in the 2003 Pan America Games. The women were, and this is the women's, the men's aren't not very great, but the women uh, at one point in 2015, we're ranked seventh in the world by the federation that determines volleyball in that region. Uh, they used to have a volleyball league, the Dominican Volleyball League, from 2007 to 2009. I don't know what happened to us it. I don't know. Uh, and they do have a lot of Olympic success. Uh, Pedro Julio Nolasco was a bronze medal in the 19, 1984 Olympic Games, he won a bronze. That was their first medal for the DR. The first gold medal and the second medal came uh, when Felix Sanchez won the championships for 400 hurdles in the 2004 Olympic Games. Manuel Felix Diaz uh, and Gabriel Mercedes won gold and silver, respectively, in their own sports. Uh, Manuel was a boxer, so he won gold. Uh, Mercedes was a Taekwondo practitioner. He won silver. Marlady Polino won silver in the 400 meters dash in the 2020 games. And they also, she also won the silver medal with Ledito, Andres Feliz, Annabelle 
Medina and Lugina Santos and Alexander Aldondo in the mixed 400 4x4 relay. And that is everything in terms of Cuba and the DR for today. I'm going to have to write down that I also covered Barbados. Thank you guys so much for listening in today to the World Sports Roundabout. I am excited that next week will be the last show in this quarter. We are excited. I say we. I don't know how many of y'all are excited, but I, representing we, am very excited for the conclusion of this quarter. I will be relaxed. I will be full with energy and ready with more ready-to-know information. But tune in for Sports Flash later today, uh, later at 4. But until then, thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.